everyone, this is Aurora with Supercharged Science, and we are going to be talking about the most important uh, the most important mistakes you need to avoid when you are teaching homeschool science. Now, these are actually taken from a big presentation I would do at uh, homeschool conferences. And so over the years, I've actually refined it, and actually I have some new distinctions to share with you today. So if you like this and you want more, download my free homeschool guide. You'll find it on my website, www.superchargedscience.com, and you can download that right now. So you can um, check that out and use it with your family. Okay, so what are the biggest mistakes that teachers usually make when they're teaching science? Now this actually starts off with the, um, the typical classroom. So the uh, classroom teacher, this has also been found in homeschoolers as well. When I've read this and um, talked, not read, <laughs> when I've shared this with other homeschoolers, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> so if you feel like you've got some of these going on, don't worry, I'm going to tell you what you can do to easily turn that around so you don't even have to worry about this being a mistake at all. Okay. Now, if you've if I've never if you've never met me before, my name's Aurora. I used to teach mechanical engineering at Cal Poly State University, and I've also been teaching K through 12 science for the past 20 years. So um, these are mistakes that we've I've been helping coach other teachers as well. So I hope this has been this is going to be helpful to you. Okay. So number one mistake, and I'm sure you've seen this one um, personally for yourself, is you've got a teacher who's in the classroom teaching science, and they are flat bored by what they're presenting. They are not excited. They really don't, could care less about what they're teaching. Okay, so that's not what you want. Like you wouldn't go to learn tennis from somebody who really hates tennis. It makes no sense. So you want to find someone who's excited, who's passionate, and who's knowledgeable about what it is that they're teaching. Okay, now that one may sound obvious, but we see it all the time. Okay, number two. Uh, and this one is much more subtle, but this one you're going to see more in textbooks and also in the typical classroom environment. And that's not providing the relevance to the science itself. So they'll teach a concept, um, say they're tr teaching um, trigonometry, and they have absolutely no use for it whatsoever. And their kids are scratching their head going, what am I ever going to use this for? And the parents, they're like, well, because you just need to. And the teachers are like, just do what I say. And the kids are like, but that's not a good enough reason. Why do I have to learn this? What's it for? And really, they're, they're asking intelligent questions. The students are. And they want to know, how can I use this? How can I form the model in my head to make this relevant so I can call it, recall it later when I need it, and actually use it? And so that's what you want to be able to do. So we teach application in addition to science because when science you know math is really the language of science and so it makes sense to teach both of them together and so when you're doing when we're doing like we're learning about forces and inside of bridges or we're doing maybe some velocity and acceleration and force calculations that's when we're going to start introducing vectors that's where we're going to talk about linear algebra we're going to start introducing um, calculus we're going to start talking about trigonometry it's okay if the kids haven't seen it before. We'll show them the operations they need to know, and if there's proofs, we'll show them that as well. And then they can keep going because they know what it's for. It makes sense. They're like, oh, I get it. A rocket, when it's taking off, does it make sense that as it's going, um, as the rocket is, you know, coming off the launch pad, um, as it goes higher and higher through the atmosphere, not only is the rocket losing weight, right, because it's burning its fuel, it's becoming lighter, it's going faster, and also the higher up against the atmosphere it's going, there's less atmosphere for it to interfere with, so it's actually got less resistance from the atmosphere on the rocket, so now it's going even faster. So we have a lot of acceleration curves we need to take a look at, look at and those are charts and diagrams that we need to be able to interpret.
Okay, so you gotta you gotta know actually what the stuff is for that you're teaching the kids. Okay, um, next one: not choosing your resources wisely. Now, you've got to be really careful when you pick up a curriculum, when you set your kids up and you call them, you know, you set them up on YouTube and they say, okay, just watch some science videos. That'll be your curriculum. <laughs> so a YouTube video is not a curriculum. There is a certain order and sequence. There are fundamentals that need to be covered in order for this stuff to make sense. Um, you know, chapters in a book, you just don't like randomly flip through them um, and then just hope that you pass the test at the end. There's an order in the sequence that things need to progress through. And so by using your resource, you don't have to stick with one book, but doing it in a way that's strategic and that's where a teacher comes in uh, because they've been along this road before. They know that you actually have to teach physics and chemistry before you get to biology. This is one we see all the time in high school. They'll start with biology in ninth grade, but it makes no sense to the students. They can't tell you about the chemical reactions that are going on within a cell. They have no idea because they about the physics of the atom itself because they haven't studied it. So they're doing science backwards and inside out. There's a certain logical sequence and progression. You know, if you look at, um, for example, college majors. There's a certain sequence you have to take courses um, along with, otherwise it doesn't make sense. You don't start with a senior project and then by the time they're seniors go back to like remedial stuff. So there's a certain order and sequence. You've got to know how to use your resources and when to plug them in and when it's applicable. Okay, um, next mistake. Oh, how are we doing, by the way? Is this making sense? Okay, now, by the way, my name's Aurora from Supercharged Science. We're covering some of the most common mistakes made when people teach science. If you like this and you want more, download my whole workbook. It's at www.superchargedscience.com slash homeschool. Superchargedscience.com slash homeschool. Download that. You put your email in. I will send it to you, and you can print that out and use it today. Okay, so next mistake is using the same materials for everyone. There is no one size fits all, you know, and a lot of times people will come to us at Supercharged Science and they'll say, I've got a fourth grader, I need fourth grade science. And my answer is, well, how much science has she already had? And they may say, well, she's had none. <laughs> I say, okay, we can't give her fourth grade science until we're sure she's got some of her bases covered. Or you may have like an eighth grader and they want eighth grade science and they've already completed all the way, um, you know, they're just, they live and breathe science. They love it. They're totally gifted and their parents have been totally supportive and they're already beyond the high school stage. So eighth grade is not appropriate. So you can't use one size fits all. People like that because it's like a little box that they can fit into, but and that, that makes them feel secure. But honestly, education is based on interest and ability. And just like anything else, just like if you were doing soccer, you wouldn't expect a second grader and a 10th grader to have the same level, right? Just But the same token, two sixth graders are not going to be at the same level if they haven't had the same experience, if they don't have the same talents and gifts in this area, if they haven't been, had the same training. Same thing is true with a curriculum, right? Okay, so you want to make sure that you meet the student where they're at. And this can be a little tricky. The easiest way out of this one is you got to take a step back and say, okay, what are my educational goals? What is most important at the end of the year, at the end of all of our homeschooling, what do I want to have accomplished? And you got to have that crystal clear. And as soon as you've got that, then you can take a step back and say, okay, what has to happen in order to achieve that outcome? What are the big blocks, the big 
the big chunks. You know, it's like, okay, my kid needs to learn how to read. Okay, we'll do that. Um, writing has to be in there too, right? You have to have a real appreciation. I want them to love learning. Okay, so we've got to pick a curriculum that's fun. My kid really gets their aha moments and they really get it when they get their hands on it. I'm like, okay, so now we need hands-on experiments, hands-on experiences. So you, you may be doing history through museums instead of just reading about them in a book. Is this making sense? So you want to use the resources that are in tune and in alignment with where your student is. And if you've got more than one kid, you already know they're different, even though you did exactly the same thing. You've got two totally different kids. <laughs> and some of them are going, to be, are going to feel easier to teach than others. And I'll give you a little secret. It's usually the one that is most similar to you in terms of values, in terms of needs, what makes them feel happy, what makes them feel fulfilled, very similar. The one that you're having a harder time with, we're not going to cover this much now, but the one you're having a harder time with usually has a different learning style, different communication style than you do. And that can be kind of a challenge. Okay, so if you want more about that, go to my Facebook page. Just go to Supercharged Science Facebook and look in my video library. We did like a whole 45 minutes just on all those distinctions and how to help if you're feeling friction between that. Okay. Um, let's see. Next mistake. Um, it's not challenging. It's not rigorous. The kids are bored because it's easy or it's just not stimulating to their brain. So I'm actually totally amazed when this happened to me the first time. I was, I think I was 21 years old and I was, I was young. I graduated. I went to high school and college at the same time and I worked at NASA and I was just brainiac. I didn't know, I didn't have a lot of experience, but I sure knew a whole lot. <laughs> so, ever know those people? That was me. <laughs> so when I was 21, I was put into a um, university and just told to teach, and I had no teaching experience whatsoever. Well, I had some, but not a whole lot. Not, not what I really needed, and this kind of was where it happened. So I was 21, I showed up, and I was teaching a rocketry class, and I was amazed by how bored the students were. Now, these were university classes, in a really top mechanical engineering program and they were bored. And I'm like, how can you be bored? We're learning about rockets, we're doing jet engines, we're learning about all, all kinds of different stuff, right? It's because, not today, but sometime in the past, they had already linked up that science is boring. Makes you wonder why they picked it for a major. Um, so <laughs> there wasn't enough challenge, there wasn't enough, ooh, wow, what, what just happened there? So providing them with experiences that are rich, something that they can really grab onto and be able to turn it into something and really make it their own. For example, at Supercharged Science, um, we, well, one of the things we do, actually, I believe really well, is we have a lot of open-ended projects. So we'll teach the kids the basics, and then we'll say, hey, now go see if you can make it go faster. Can you make it bigger? Can you make it three, three times, yeah, fly three times as high? Can you make the rocket go over the roof instead of just, you know, 10 feet tall? So there's a lot of room for innovation and creativity to come in, and that's a skill that needs to be taught, and that's very challenging in itself. So... You need to provide a curriculum that is meeting your kids where they're at, and also it's challenging enough. You don't want them too challenged because then they shut down completely. Ah, just I can't get this. Forget it. I'm just not smart enough, or I, I just this just doesn't isn't my thing, or whatever story they come up with. Um, you want them to feel successful, but also challenged at the same time. Okay, uh, let's see. How are we doing? You guys finding this useful? Okay, so I've got I've got five more. You guys ready? Okay, giving too much information. <laughs> Have you ever taken a biology class or sometimes a chemistry class and you're like, at the end you're like, whoa, 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 
I'm not even sure that was in English. <laughs> so sometimes when we teach science, we'll have kids read a book or something and we'll, we'll just tell them through knowledge and we'll have absolutely no experience whatsoever. This happens if you happen to pick a textbook for your homeschool curriculum and there's no labs with it. So science is actually not about what you know, it's about how you handle what you don't know. It's about designing, it's about having questions, being curious, designing experiments to answer those questions that you have and figuring out the answers, interpreting your results. That's what science is and that's how it's different than, for example, math lessons, it's different than reading and different than history lessons because science is a process. It's not a laundry list to get done like, whew, we did projects number one through nine, I'm done for the year. <laughs> science is actually a skill that you teach your kids that is composed of many different areas and so in order to do that, we use science experiments that will hone their observational skills, it will teach them uh, discernment, it'll teach them how to critically think, like stuff happens in science and they're like, whoa, that is totally not what I expected from my science experiment. And then you just got to get in there and say, okay, well, what did you expect and what's different? What do you notice? What happened? Um, so that's part of what we need to teach kids and not just, you know, download all this information because honestly, a lot of that stuff, especially in biology, you can just look up in a reference book when you need it. And so knowing what you need to know and what you can look up is really important. And that's, that's again, part of that discernment process because um, any great scientist is going to know how to research, right? Okay. Um, all right. Next one. Not letting kids make mistakes. Okay. So this is one that I can just best illustrate with just a quick imagination sort of a thing here. Okay, so imagine that, uh, if you would, uh, how do I wanna put this? Okay, let me try it this way. Do you learn more when you make mistakes or when you get stuff done? Right, like when you succeed in something. Imagine snow skiing. Do you learn more when you mess up or when you're, and you're just slide down the mountain? Not do you feel better, but do you learn more? Yeah, you learn by messing up, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm here today because of all the, not because of all the great things I've done, but because all the mess ups I've had, all the lessons that I've learned. So how do you feel when someone tells you what to do? Yeah, not very good, right? Now a lot of us are like, hey, you're gonna tell me to do this, I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> or I'm gonna do it just despite, okay, so anyway. Um, the idea is, is that we need to allow the kids wiggle room to make mistakes. Now we're using common sense here, obviously playing kickball in, on the freeway is not what we're talking about. You absolutely need to step in there. But a lot of parents who are well-meaning usually will come in when their kid is, or they see their kids are either heading for a mistake or have already made a mistake. And the message they give their kids when they come in, they're like, ah, oh, let me just do it for you, or let me just handle this. They're giving that kid a message that says, hey, you're not smart enough to do it, or you cannot do this without me. That's the message that you're sending to your kids, and that is not what you want. You don't want your 11th grader coming to you for help with homework that where they clearly could be handling it themselves. So you need to train them, especially early on, that mistakes are good. Scientists love it when they make mistakes because that means they're like, yes, I get to learn something. There is something I don't know. What don't I see? This is so exciting. Maybe I'll learn something new. Um, and so they actually get really excited when, when a good scientist gets really excited when they don't understand stuff and when stuff blows up and they totally don't expect it. And so um, I, unfortunately, a lot of people don't, will actually skip science altogether, especially in homeschoolers, because it's either, you know, science is like messy, wet, or on fire, right? It's, it can be hard to do. And if you, um, if you prefer things to be nice and neat and organized and tidy, 
it could be a challenge because you know science is messy and it's not clear and we don't know what's going to happen and that's kind of the reason we're doing science experiments to begin with okay so making sure that it's okay to let your kids make mistakes you set them up and you're like wow I, yeah, I bet you didn't expect that to happen and then giving it back to them saying hmm so what are your ideas now what are you gonna do next and the kids are like oh, I don't know and they're melting and you're like well you know what you seem pretty upset why don't we just get a drink of water and then we'll come back and so you kind of get them out of the situation especially if they're melting and then you come back in take a little walk come back and you're like all right so what happened here well the ball it rolled off the roller coaster too fast and you're like okay so it went too fast all right so how do you slow a ball down and they might have some ideas. So getting them in the habit of asking questions. Okay, uh, a couple more. Um, not being prepared. Okay, so in my experience, there are a lot of teachers who don't feel comfortable presenting and teaching science, but they do it anyway. Um, and they have a background that's just different. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's language, maybe it's arts, maybe it's history. So that makes sure that means that if you are in charge of teaching science, you've got to make sure you're really prepared um, because you, you might need more time reviewing or maybe researching the right projects or experiments or um, it takes a long time. In the beginning, it took me four hours for every one hour of teaching at the university level. And that's when I got started. And I was I was on my game back then, you know, as I had just come off of having a master's degree. So in mechanical engineering. And so and I was on my way to PhD school for a PhD in um, uh, high temperature gas dynamics. So things that blow up and go really fast. So I, I was immersed in this stuff. I was using calculus and differential equations every day. But I still had to prepare a lot in order for me to present these complex ideas in a way that made sense to the students. And so if, if the science is not your thing, it's like, imagine I wanted to learn German. I wouldn't find somebody who spoke like French, right? I would go find, or Japanese, I would find somebody that knows German to teach me German. I don't, I don't have to, if I want my kids to learn German, I'm going to find a German speaking teacher. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to try to learn it myself and then teach it. I'm going to be making all kinds of mistakes. So this is where having an expert in the field is really, really helpful. You know, if math is not your thing and you got to cover geometry, go find a geometry teacher that's excited, that loves, that is just passionate about it, that it can relate to kids, that has experience with this. And then that's the person you want to connect with. And it's okay not to do it all, especially at the older grades. There's a lot of value of having multiple teachers for different subjects um, and so this is especially true for science you want to find somebody who's excited who's passionate who has lessons that the kids can really learn from and if you want to learn alongside your kids you can totally do that um, but it also takes you off the hot seat of also needing to know all the answers you know because kids are going to ask some really intelligent questions like one of them for example um, is you know how does electricity work well, I don't know. Most people are not comfortable answering that question. Um, so, and or doing it in a way that you know a seven-year-old would really understand. Uh, one another question I got just last week through our program. We actually have a um, unlimited support for as long as you need it. So we love it when kids ask us questions because we get to answer them. And it's also a great lesson in communication. A lot of the times the kids will ask things like, "Well, it didn't work." 
And so we're like, well, what didn't work? Well, the thing, okay, what thing? And so kids have to actually articulate what they're doing, hone their observational skills. Well, I expected the ball to go left, but it really went right, but I put the magnets here and the laser was here and I don't understand. And we say, oh, okay, so you're measuring the Earth's magnetic pulse, okay? So what you wanna do is you wanna have the magnets between six and eight inches away. You wanna make sure that beaker is made out of glass. It doesn't have any metal near it. And you're like, oh, oh, I see what the mistake is, okay. So, so there's a lot of individual distinctions. So anyway, so in my online uh, science program, there's a lot of this type of communication going on. And so that means you just have to be prepared. Okay, so uh, by the way, my name's Aurora with Supercharged Science. If this is valuable to you, I hope it is. Um, you can find more from my website, www.superchargedscience.com slash homeschool, and you can download my homeschool packet. Um, I have two more if you'd like them. You ready? Okay. So the, um, the next one is failing to provide enough experiments for doing science. So it's, you know, experiments, investigations, being curious about the world around you, it takes time. You have to set them up, you have to go through them, you have to get the materials, and then you have to break them down. <laughs> but every minute you do it, you do those experiments is so worth it because there are so many different factors coming on. You ever, you ever notice when people talk about sports and they say, oh, well, I'm weightlifting. You're like, well, that's great. Oh, I'm running. And then you get to swimming. Oh, I'm swimming. Why is everybody says, oh my gosh, swimming is so amazing. Why? Because there's so many different facets going on at the same time. You have strength, you have balance, you have core, you have resistance, and you can go as fast as you want, and the water is constantly there. And, and so you have all these different elements. Science is the same way. You have a ton of different elements that all work together. You have critical thinking, you have pre preparation and planning, you have research, you have all these different communication all these different things that all come together into one and so if you skip the experiments um, that's kind of what science is based on you use experiments to help you answer the questions that you're curious about so you kind of have to include those okay the number one thing that most teachers um, make when they teach science is that they they fail to provide enough variety you know, a lot of students or a lot of teachers have students, they'll just read a book, answer the questions, and then maybe there's a science experiment and they'll run through that and then they're done. And it's the same thing over and over. Just change the name on the book. You know, it'll be biology, it'll be chemistry, it'll be geology. It's the same thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't get inspired and excited usually when I read a reference book. <laughs> so unless I'm already really interested in that topic to begin with. And so one of the things that can be really helpful here is just to turn it around, do the experiment first, and then have your kids run through the variations. And then they're gonna start to ask questions like, wait, when I do blue light, I get an electric current. But when I used red light, there's no current, there's no static charge. Whoa, what's going on here? Why, what does light have to do with electricity? Now they're interested and excited. Now they're gonna go back and read that chapter even more thoroughly because they're looking for information and they're already hooked from the inside. They're interested and they're excited. Um, so you wanna provide enough variety. So when you do your microscope lessons, take the microscope outside and take a nature walk and you have those um, duct tape sticky rolls and put it on inside out so the sticky part is on the outside and then collect all the things on your nature walk and then walk back into the lab and, and you can analyze it. There's a ton of different things you can do. Um, for example, if you are teaching about uh, aerodynamics, I would take the kids to the airport and I would watch airplanes. So there's a lot of interesting 
variety that you can do. And the beauty about homeschooling is it's all open to you. If you're studying marine biology, you can go to an aquarium, you can go to the beach, you can study tide pools, you can do a million different things. And, and so it, depending on what you are studying, there's so many resources available and so many rich experiences you can provide with your kids. So students need to be engaged just like any other subject. So if you've ever taught somebody something they really don't want to learn about, you know it's really, really hard, right? Like that pushing a freight train up a hill, and it's really hard. If you want to get your kids interested and excited about science from the inside out where they are so engaged, they hop out of bed and they race right over to their science curriculum and they could do that all day. They pass what we call the time flies test. They could just do it and it time flies and they have no concept that, you know, they've been doing it for six hours. They turn around and at the dinner table, they are just nonstop teaching you like real stuff you had no idea about. Um, if you want that kind of experience with your kids, I encourage you to try my science learning program. It's actually a full K through 12 program and it's student led. Your kids go through it on their own. You can go through it alongside them if you want, uh, but you don't have to. It uses everyday materials or materials that are really easy to get and those materials you can use over and over and over and over. And my online science program actually includes a full 30 day trial period. So you try it, if you like it, you stick with it. If you don't like it, send us a request and we'll give you a full refund within the first 30 days. There's nothing to send back. Um, it's just my way of saying, hey, you know, just try it, see if it works. If you'd like it, we'd love for you to be part of our science family. It includes unlimited support from me and my team of scientists, and we cover all the subjects. We cover um, marine biology, or uh, I'm sorry, we cover biology. Um, we have marine biology, but it's a different type of program. Um, and then we also cover uh, chemistry and uh, physics and geology and earth science and life science and you name it, it's in there. Mechanics, motion, sound, you name it. How to build robots, astronomy. Kids are going to be making their own, uh, or and the program is completely based on experiments. So kids are going to be making their own wind tunnels out of your hair dryer and uh, out of your Tupperware, sorry. Um, they're going to be making their own telescopes and microscopes and they're going to be making their own scientific equipment, they're gonna learn how to keep their own science journal, and I also have on their careers in science. So you've got this kid who's crazy wild about science, what do you do after all this work in the homeschool world, right? Um, there's actually a whole series of uh, classes that are in there that you can actually expose your kids to different careers to see which one they're like, wow, that's the one right there. Everything from astronomy to biology to chemistry, chemical engineering, aviation, you name it, it's in there. So if you want to give your kids this kind of an experience and really see if it's really in alignment with the way your student learns and also with your family, then I encourage you to try it. It's actually at www.superchargedscience.com slash easy. Like, wow. That was really easy. My kid's learning more science than I know, and I didn't have to teach it myself. That kind of easy. So just go to www.superchargedscience.com slash easy. I hope these tips have been helpful. These are ones that I've gathered for, for the past two decades of teaching, and there are more, but these are, that's probably plenty. We've been going at this for, what, 30 minutes now, so... I hope this has been helpful, and I wish you and your family all the best with your science and your, um, your homeschool curriculum pro projects and experiments, and I want you to get out there, roll around, and really enjoy, um, enjoy playing with your kids and enjoy the learning process. So all the best to you. Thank you so much.